Hi, everybody. This is Patty Negri. Welcome to the Witching Hour. The veil is thin and magic happens. I've got some great magic for you today. My friend, paranormal investigator, inventor, author, Joshua P. Warren. You are going to love him. But before we go there, where's Patty? And I must say that has been extra challenging lately. I've pretty much been gone for the last three weeks or more on all sides of the planet. But if you are listening to this on the week we first drop, which is the week of March 27th, 2023, I am home. Well, this week I am home. This weekend I'm traveling. But if you are here March 27th, I am home. So come to my class at University Magicus on Tuesday night. Make sure you come to the Witches Movie Coven on Wednesday, where me and my magical witchy friends talk all things witchy movie movie witches. And of course, Black Phillip. <laughs> hey, got your Black Phillip yet? Um, my new... There we go. Thank you, Rob. Magic appears in front of us. Um, so I am here, but this weekend, this weekend, I'm going to be at the Parapod Festival. I am so excited for a million reasons. On Friday night, the 31st, March 31st, I'm going to be directing a ghost hunt at Mentryville. I just did Mentryville for any of you who were there in Southern California with Alinda the Ghost Hunter this past weekend or last weekend or two weeks ago. I, I have no sense of time. Remember that. But we are going to be doing a Mentryville ghost town and we're going to be doing stargazing and we are going to be doing all sorts of magical things. Who knows what we're going to say? I'm going to be speaking. I'm going to be doing a seance and it's also a film festival and awards show. And I'm honored to say that I'm actually up for two awards. I'm so surprised. I'm shocked. I'm giddy as a schoolgirl. I am up against two amazing people for best spiritual podcast. And I am up for best television psychic medium. And I'm against amazing people. Of the psychic mediums. I'm against Tyler Henry and Chip Coffee. I think way more famous than me, but we will see. As, as Sally Fields would probably say, I'm happy just to be nominated. I don't have to win, but I'm really excited to go there. So if you are anywhere near the Southern California region, go to parapodfestival.com. It's a full two days of amazing speakers, amazing presenters. Stefan and I are actually presenting a thing together, Stefan Bugatti. You may know him from South Coast Paranormal and Haunted Ventura Theater. He's one of our Paraflix um, uh, content creators and a dear friend, and we work together a lot. So we're doing all sorts of fun things. So parapodfestival.com, hope to see you there. And then after that, the next thing is Spirits in the Spring, which is April 22nd. And that's far away in the Midwest somewhere. But if you're in the Midwest somewhere, Wisconsin, Wyoming, I skipped that class in school. But it's a fundraiser and amazing people are going for this big one day event. So if you're anywhere near, join us for Spirits in the Sky. And then the 26th through 30th of April, I'm going to be in Bisbee, Arizona, at the Copper Queen Very Haunted Hotel, doing a whole Patty weekend of seances and 
ghost investigations and paranormal investigations. It's going to be small and because the place is small, we can't, it doesn't have that many rooms. So it's, it's a lot versus the, the big paracons and stuff. This is going to be an intimate, fun, ghosty getaway in Bisbee, Arizona. So lots of things to do. If you can't remember all that, and I'm not giving you everything, go to pattynegri.com. Make sure you sign up for my newsletter because then you will get eh, every month or two an actual newsletter from me that shows where I'm going to be. Follow me on social media. The real me, I am now val verified, whatever you call it. Patty Negri Psychic Medium on Facebook. Patty.Negri on Instagram. Patty Negri on Twitter. Patty Negri on TikTok. And if I contact you and tell you I've been thinking about you and you need a reading, it isn't me. It's fake Patty. I'm trying to get past it, but sadly, we're not. So this is me. I will never contact you. If you want a reading, go to my website, pattynegri.com. And you do it all online. And because otherwise, there's some weird people in foreign places pretending to be me. And it's scary. But let's live, live on a high note, shall we? Magic is everywhere. So, so am I. That's where's Patty. Hi, everybody. Guess what time it is? It is time for the Willow Report. Yep. Every week. One of my favorite parts of the day is the yawn at the beginning of the Willow Report. All right. This is my little princess. Even though it's not the day it's airing, the Willow Report today is the date we are taping this. It's Willow's second birthday. Yes, it is. My little baby's almost a grown-up right now. She's two years old. I'm actually seeing some grown-up mellowness come into her just a little bit. We haven't decided if she's going to have a regular blowout party we did last year and we did for her predecessor, Dora, because it's so rainy in California. So we don't want to have an indoor rain party. Even her play dates She's hardly had any or she hasn't had any in weeks and weeks and weeks. So if we can't have one right for her second birthday, we will celebrate her second birthday in a few weeks or a month, whenever it is. So she could have her dog cake, her puppy cake and all her friends over. But that is a Willow Report. My little princess is now two years old, still yawning, still playing with her sister. And in this craziness, when she can't play with all her dogs, she... Her and her sister, Grace, are going crazy up and downstairs, in and out the house, running, playing, chasing, tumbling, kissing, bathing, loving each other. You love your sister, Gracie, don't you? She said yes, but Gracie did not get to be in the Willow Report today because it's Willow's birthday. Some things just have to be hers. Look at, she's actually looking at the camera today. Her little black beady eyes, you can see them the glowing in the ring light. This truly is a magical day. <laughs> Happy birthday, Willow. That's the Willow Report. Okay, for today's magic lesson, we're going to do a fun, simple, yet really powerful midnight crossing spell. It's really good for whenever you're feeling stressed about a decision you have to make or you've reached a life transition, go left or go right, and you don't know what to do. A midnight crossing spell. So 
you're going to do it at midnight because midnight is a liminal space, just like the solstices are, the equinoxes, they're neither here nor there. They're at that crossover. Midnight is the crossover between one day and the next day. And that makes it extra, extra magical. So you're going to go to a crossroads. What's a crossroads that you say? A crossroads is, it could be where two roads cross and come together. There's one in every neighborhood. Or a three-way crossroads. That's really fun. It could be the path in a parkway. It could be a garden path in your backyard. But we're two places where you can make a choice of two or more ways to go. That's the crossroads because that's where the power has. You guys know I do a lot of crossroads magics. Dragons, all those dragons we charge, they're crossroads beasts. They can fly from heaven to earth and they live at the crossroads between. And that's where change and shift and magic happens. So if you have a decision you have to make and you're worried about making it, go to a crossroads at midnight. We'll go about 11.50 so you're ready for it. Now, what kind of crossroads? If you want to get fancy with it, say if you're doing a crossroads that you want inspiration and beauty and creativity, find a crossroads in the arts district, even if it's, you know, in a regular busy street. Be careful of cars, though. If you want maybe to start a new business, go to a business district. If you want like stability or money or wealth, Go to a wealthy neighborhood. Or again, a park can work for everything because you're going to pull the energy from those churches or even your backyard. Because do take in the mundane world's safety into consideration. Be careful if you live a place that it's not good to go outside into an area you don't know at midnight. Don't do it. Magic is adjustable to your needs and your human safety. But if you can't take into consideration, think about what a crossroads will pull you in. Just like when we do graveyard work, which we'll do again, you want a nice protection magic, go to a grave of a, a policeman or an army officer. You want to, you know, find true love or work on your love, you know, go to the grave of lovers who are married for 50 years. Magic works like that. So anyway, we're going to the crossroads. You've got a kind of decision you have to make and you're not sure about it. You don't know what you want to do. So find your crossroads. You know, even if it's the, the little garden path in your backyard, go there early. Clear yourself. Make yourself really comfortable. Let go of stress. Think about that decision you want to make. Where you want to go. See yourself having it. See yourself being there, creating that love or that money or that health or that place, that travel. And at the stroke of midnight, Cross the street into that new area. That's it. Cross the street. You will feel it inside your bones. You will feel it in every cell of your body. I do lots of crossroads where you leave things at the crossroads. This isn't even one of them. If you ever do do one of those, make sure you leave something organic. I usually leave food things that hopefully the birds and critters will get, and then they will carry your magic off into the sky, or the squirrel will eat it and go bury it. But this one, just cross the street into that new way of being. So it's magic and you get to cross the future you desire. So magic is everywhere. Sometimes you have to find a crossroads and move into it. That's it. Hey everybody, this is Patty Negri. Welcome to the witching hour. Yes, the hour of the day when the veil is thin and magic happens. 
I have some of my favorite magic for you today, and he is magic. Let me tell you a little bit about my guest, my friend, uh, Joshua P. Warren. Um, I can go into a little bit of his bio. He was born and raised in the mountains of Asheville, North Carolina, and he wrote and published his first book at age 13 and been going ever since. Dozens of books. He is one of the most respected paranormal investigators. Even George Norrie calls him one of the great paranormal investigators of all time. And I agree with George wholeheartedly. Um, we met first on an episode of Ghost Adventures, and I just kind of fell in love with who you are and what you do. I have your stuff all over my house, your little gadgets. I have my prayer board over here. I have my wishing machine over here. So before I even tell you more, welcome, Joshua. Thank you so much for coming on. Well, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure, and I've been looking forward to it. Me too. Um, so I, I, you guys all heard me talking about things like prayer boards. And what do you call what it is that you do and create? How you combine worlds and technologies? Do you have a word for that? Or, You know, I think of them as metaphysical inventions. And uh, it really goes back to the very first days of my research. I was first and foremost interested in how ghosts materialize and manifest. I started with ghosts and that was, you know, over 30 years ago. And what I found is that if you find some uh, end point with the paranormal and you stick with it long enough, it could be, it doesn't matter if it's ghosts or UFOs or aliens or cryptids or psychic phenomena. Eventually you find that they all kind of connect it reminds me of this great quote by Charles Fort that you can measure a circle beginning anywhere. And so a lot of it has to do with how these other types of forms of energy manifest and materialize in our daily lives and in unexpected ways. And of course, much of the paranormal field is about the, the creepy side, the spooky side, but it doesn't always have to be spooky. Um, if you start studying how that things manifest and materialize in a very tangible way, well, you can apply that to all kinds of really positive and helpful things as well. So by going, ironically, to some of these places that are scary places, that are well-known haunts, that have this reputation for being spooky and frightening, and studying the things that manifest that freak people out there, I've learned more in general about how these different energies materialize and then i've taken that information put it into my laboratory where i start doing experiments based upon different kinds of conditions and then eventually try to reproduce some of these effects using these tools that i create in my workshop and what i found is that you know some tools require a battery or you have to plug it into the wall you have some kind of a power supply but many of the most powerful manifestation tools are things that you can just use directly by tapping into the power of the mind. And, you know, some of these things like the wishing machine or the miraculous prayer board or the psionic dematerializer, a.k.a. the bad buster or some other things I'll share with you. Um, some of these things, you know, they they may just be the most amazing placebos ever created, but who cares? As long as right. they work. And, you know, every single day I get emails from people all over the world telling me about these amazing successes they've had. 
gaining you know wealth and abundance or a, a better relationship or they've had uh, a happier life projects that come to fruition all these things they're able to accomplish by by using some of these tools that sort of trigger that manifestation part of the mind I love it. And I, I agree wholeheartedly. I think it's the same thing what I do. If I'm doing a spell for somebody and I'm dressing the cat, we're putting that intent. It all goes down to that basic mind, body, spirit, right? You have to believe it or you're never going to get it. You got to take some sort of action, whether that's turning the dials on your wishing machine or working with your prayer board. And the spirit is, to me, the the magic behind it, which could be the magic created in that machine or the candle or the faith behind it. So that fits in exactly what I do. We just have different like modes of transportation. But I love your yeah. mode of transportation because it just adds to mine. <laughs> I kind of look at all the different points of view because, for example, you know, a typical wishing machine, as you know, um, looks similar to this one. This is just one of my oldest ones, it's kind of banged up. It's been around the world with me on different projects. This is a very basic wishing machine. And a normal wishing machine has got essentially an input plate where you represent what you want to accomplish. And then an output plate. And what you do is you, you there are different techniques, but the most basic one is you sort of stroke the output plate while you tune it with these different knobs mm -hmm. and there are different methods of figuring out where the knobs need to be tuned and there's this very mysterious strange circuit inside and somehow all of this stuff sort of works together in order to help a manifestation come true now there are a yep. lot of people who look at a box like this and they say i'm not comfortable with that because i don't like gadgets and i don't like knobs and switches you know an engineer loves this sort of thing because that's what that engineer's mind connects with but then there are people who say, you know, I like something a little more organic. And that's where we have, well, just the power of certain types of symbols like the, the, the sigils like this. You know, this is a sigil that I created mm -hmm. in my lab using parasitematics. Uh, sometimes just meditating on a sigil can put you in a state of mind that works for some. Or, you know, you may have a certain wand. This is one of the magic wands that I've made in, in my uh, workshop. And, and there's a different technique for using all these different things. Sometimes just the power of a particular stone is quite impressive. But the idea is you have to sort of match up the, the person's comfort level with a tool that seems to activate the creative part of that person's mind. I, I wrote a book called Finding Your Magic which uh, is available as an ebook. As a matter of fact, right now, you can download it if you go to uh, my website, joshuapwarren.com. There's a curiosity shop. And if you go to Finding Your Magic, it basically gives you a personality test to help you figure out what kind of manifestation strategy might be most effective for you. And then it goes through all of the different types of manifestation techniques and uh, I pretty much guarantee you that you are going to find one of these that works for you. And I, and I hate it when somebody says, I'm going to give this a shot, you know, and, and they, they start with the wrong type of tool, the wrong type of technique for that person. And it doesn't work out. And then they just they lose interest and they become disenchanted. And uh, but once you match the, the person up with the right tools and techniques and they start becoming successful, uh, it's life changing. <laughs> I, I love it. Thank you. Yeah. And it is like, even again, if I take it to my 
traditional witchy stuff. Some people don't like yarn, they like like this. But again, I've had so much good luck with yours because it is slightly different than the the, the, the way, way that I work. And it just works and I believe it works and therefore it does work. And, um, you know, I tell everybody about it. So, so if you guys are going, yeah, my prayer board I, is the thing I really, really go to fast because the wishing machine you set there and you've got your intention. And that first day I set it, the one I got it a couple of years ago from yeah. you, it's like, whoa, everything went crazy. And I'm like, this is the coolest machine ever. Yeah. Um, and there's a prayer board. And it's, it's, it's simple. You'd look at it and you go, it's this little plastic tile. It's this little copper thing. But I don't know whether it's focusing your intention, all the little things with the copper and stuff. It's like, why is that to say it's any different than, and I work with sigils too. Like you work with sigils. I, yeah. I work with spare sigils. I work with the witchy thing of stuff. So that prayer brew is my favorite. That's my friend Patty's favorite too. Here's something that's um, I think notable about the miraculous prayer board is that um, this actually has electrically conductive strips on it. And you operate this by placing your thumbs on either side of the conductive strip. Now, let me explain. You know, most of the time when you see people praying or, or often when they pray, they, mm -hmm. they put their hands together. Yeah. That's the traditional thing to do. And that what, what you're doing is you're closing a circuit. You're closing a bio circuit when you do this. And when you use the prayer board, you're doing the same thing, except you're closing the circuit through this quartz crystal. And this quartz crystal is in the middle of this 18 karat gold hexagon here. And um, so it's literally taking, theoretically, the energy that you would be expending in prayer. And it's changing it into a different type of vibration. Because crystals are what we call transducers. What that means is that if you, and this is a very physical scientific phenomenon, if you take a crystal and you apply pressure to it, it produces electricity. And if you apply electricity to a crystal, it vibrates. And of course, most of our technology is based upon crystals. I mean, look at Silicon Valley, for example. Of course, back in the old days, kids used to play with crystal radios, which were these little radios that didn't require a battery. And you could listen to the radio because the crystal was interpreting that for you. And so the idea is that when whatever energy you're putting out during prayer, if you're passing it through um, this crystal, the concept is that perhaps it's turning it into a different type of a vibration that's making some type of a more profound impact. And so, you know, basically what I do personally is uh, if, if I've got some type of a, of a, of a long-term issue or a project or a problem I want to solve, I will plug that into the, the wishing machine and I'll let it sit there and, and work on it. But and that might take weeks or months, depending on how complicated the, the issue is. But I use these prayer boards every single day for general maintenance. So every day, I usually keep one by my door uh, if I'm going to be leaving, going in out of the house, or at least some door that I'm going to be around. So I see it every day. And then I'll just stop, and I'll put my thumbs on it, and I'll just take, even if it's 10 seconds... Uh, and I will just at very least send out a positive intention so that everything goes as smoothly as possible for me that day. So that's why these both kind of work very well hand in hand. And uh, I think that, uh, you know, people ask me sometimes, they say, I don't know what to do. Should I get a should I get a box? Should I get a wand? Should I get a prayer board? Should I get a stone? 
and and I I always say, well, look, um, for one thing, what are you initially attracted to? You know, you have to feel the connection. It's, even if it's something that you just find uh, beautiful or enchanting about one item more than another. But I like to use all of these in the same way that, you know, I like to, to try out different restaurants. One night I'm in the mood for pizza, the next night seafood, you know. And so uh, to me, um, you you kind of get a feel for what device is going to help you. And that's what these are. These are tools. What kind of tool is going to help you based upon the way you see the world? And uh, that's why I surround myself with with lots of different things. And I use components of traditional magic and what some call chaos magic, mm -hmm. as well as radionics, psionics, psychotronics, and uh, all these things to try to get the most uh, efficient and effective outcome for whatever I'm trying to uh, produce. Oh, I love it. I love it. Again, and I do the same and I do use your stuff all the time. What is the other thing that you mentioned? I don't know that one. Uh, well, it's uh, you mean like psychotronics or psionics or no, how about... no. Before that, you talked about it was a machine or a blower upper thing or a clearer thing. Oh, oh I... the bad buster. Yeah, the psionic dematerializer. Okay, yeah, that that's sounds a... so space age. That that's so a very like... interesting one. Let me um, okay, let me explain to you the concept of how this works. So, <laughs> this is actually a really wild story. I I'm glad that you didn't know about this because no, uh, I don't. you're going to find this exciting. Um. So living here in Las Vegas, I get exposed to the latest breaking UFO news and activity. You can imagine right now is we're having a heyday. Of course, I'm not far from Area 51. I actually own uh, some land that's right next to Area 51 up in Rachel, Nevada. Wow. And I use that for research purposes. And um, one of the things that I've learned is that some of the uh, aircraft around here are cloaked with some kind of an invisibility cloaking material. And I'm not saying these are necessarily extraterrestrial craft. They could just be military. And in many cases, I think they are military, but it may be that the military has based this upon studying these uh, UFOs, UAP, these more exotic things. And uh, one of the reasons I know this is a fact is uh, my friend Steve Barone has actually got video footage he, he lives in a, in a house on a cliff that overlooks just this entire Las Vegas Valley. And um, he gets out there almost every night and, and videotapes all everything that's happening in the sky. And he has a, a YouTube channel called UFOs Over Vegas. It's amazing. But um, he was able to get video footage one time of one of these triangular shaped craft that was basically invisible. The only reason that you can see it is because it was coming into land at Nellis Air Force Base. And as it was landing, it turned on a little red light at each tip. And that's when you realize the craft is there. And once you once you realize there's a craft there, you can see everything behind it or above it, depending on your point of view. But it kind of has that hazy mirage like predator look. So I became very interested in the types of technology they're using to produce invisibility. And it's similar to what I have right here. So this, and I'm not sure how well this is going to show up on camera. We'll give it a try. Okay, so this is 
the kind of material that is often used in these invisibility cloaking, you know, experiments. And you see this little ghost I've got right here? Oh, yeah. See, ghosts do exist. <laughs> <laughs> I produced one for you for the show. Wow. So now you see what happens when I take, and I'm, I'm just going to hold this by the top. Yeah. And, and if, I, if I take the ghost and I, uh, and I put it in there, now, of course, we have lights all over the place, but the ghost basically becomes invisible just by being inside of this tube. And yeah. this it might be a little bit more visible if I if I take something like Bigfoot here. Bigfoot. See, Bigfoot does exist. <laughs> <laughs> and and if you put Bigfoot uh in there, you see how it kind of uh wipes yeah. the figure out. And again, here we are in front of a bunch of bright lights and everything for, for a webcast, but under normal lighting, this will make an object so invisible that I actually made a large version of this. And I took it to a busy uh, restaurant and bar in Las Vegas on a Saturday night. And I put this thing in front of me and sat in the booth and everybody walked by me. Nobody saw me all night long. I was invisible. And, and I've got video footage of, of this to, to prove it. So I became very intrigued with this type of material. And I thought, you know, if this type of material can actually... Um, make an object, a physical object, more or less invisible. Can it do the same with a thought form? Mm -hmm. And I started thinking about the fact that um, a lot of people have trouble with these manifestation tools because they read about them or they hear about them. And you're told you need to visualize what you want. And a lot of people have trouble with that they don't have an imagination that works that way they can't visualize what they want i hear this a lot but almost everybody can visualize what they don't want and so i took one of these tubes and i made a smaller version of it and i wrote on a piece of paper something that i did not want at that time i was living in a different location and i had some really noisy neighbors and so and of course i have a pretty wild schedule you never know when i'm going to be sleeping and awake so i just wrote down my noisy neighbors and i put it inside the tube and within 24 hours i found out they were moving wow and they moved and then it was empty for a while and then finally one person one single lady moved in next door and totally quiet after that i couldn't believe it so i continued experimenting with putting things inside these tubes and then I started adding some other elements to the, to the, the, the tube as well. Uh, one of the sills of Solomon that has uh, mm -hmm. protective neutralizing power. Also some black tourmaline, which also has a neutralizing power. And I turned all this into a little kit. And um, I don't have one of those right here with me right now. But if you go to my website, joshuapwarren.com, you'll see in the curiosity shop, it's called the psionic dematerializer, a.k.a. the bad buster. And the idea is if you are a negative person, if you are a pessimistic person, believe it or not, this can almost become a superpower for you because you can take that negativity and put it into this device and it neutralizes it. That's the idea. And so I call it, you know, magic for people who don't like magic. And it's it's the concept that whatever 
however this works with physical uh, objects, and of course, all the only reason you can see something physical is because of the light that's reflecting mm -hmm. from it. And so we're still just dealing with the form of energy being expressed regardless. However this works, this has been a game changer for a lot of people who say, I've tried everything else to manifest something positive and I just can't make it happen. And so if, if you're having that problem, go try out the bad buster. And, and you know what? I always give a 100% money back guarantee on all of these things because these are experimental devices and you shouldn't go and, and, you know, buy something like this because you're, you know, you're desperate. You should go and you should do it because you want to experiment. You want to try. And if, if you're not happy with it, you know, that's okay. Um, but, uh, that is, I think, um, a very important addition to anybody's manifestation library because sometimes you just can't help it. You stay fixated on the negative stuff more than you accelerate the positive thinking. And this gives you a way of, of making use of whatever state of mind you happen to be in. Right. Well, I love that because even positively, I'm a super positive person and I'm a yeah. super manifester, but almost everybody has that one little area you don't do it in. Like some people are, are great with money, but not with love, or they're great with love, but not with this or the health issues or anger. Because even the most positive people, almost everybody has that one little Achilles heel one little twist. I think that's fabulous. And of course, yes, we always can see and remember the negative. Like if, if we tell somebody, you know, five things right now, you know, four good things and one bad thing, they're just going to remember the bad thing because we're human. We're silly. It also I has to do with that fight or flight instinct. You know, that's what the news uh, relies on. You know, the, the reason that the news has been around forever and it's always negative is because that's what people pay attention to. It's unfortunate that we are programmed to, to want to know what we're supposed to be afraid of all the time, even if it's yeah. not a realistic threat. Uh, it's an instinct that goes back to survival of the fittest. And so you have all these, these media outlets that abuse that and take advantage of it in order to keep your attention. It all works on, on scaring you. And advertising usually works that way as well by telling you, you have a problem, you have a problem, you have a problem, and we have the solution. And the thing is, there's a certain amount of truth in all of it, but it gets exaggerated so much that it, that's why you have so many people these days who are just unrealistically stressed out, you know, because that um, you're just bombarded with negative stuff all the time. And it's nice to have a, a place where you can, you can channel that and, and try to neutralize it and get rid of some of it. Um, and, and, you know, and I'm also, uh, I'm fascinated with just stones in general. I'm sure you are as well. Yes, definitely. And uh, just recently I've become uh, especially uh, impressed with this called a, a Buddha stone. And uh, this is this is one of the most interesting stones I've ever come across. It's it's partially man-made, but the problem is I have no idea who makes them. Um, this stone it contains gold and silver and platinum and palladium and I mean all these precious metals. And I I found a small selection of these at this very strange metaphysical shop on the West Coast, which no longer exists. 
Wow. And uh, I, I I got a few of them and was amazed because, well, you know, living in Las Vegas, often I have a tendency to just experiment with something by gambling, you know. <laughs> so <laughs> I reduced things down to the laboratory of a casino. So I bought these and I was on my way back home and I stopped at a little casino on the side of the road and I went in and I put in $20 in a machine and I won over $500 and I was holding this with in my hand when I did this. And after that, I started finding a lot of just little things would go well for me, finding a parking space when you need one. I mean, just like all that kind of stuff would smoothly sort of uh, fall into place. I ended up buying every single one of these I could get my hands on. And uh, I actually have been so amazed that when I when I got this, um, I had no idea what it was made out of. But there's a laboratory here in Las Vegas. Uh, that specializes in minerals. And I actually took one of these to them and paid them quite a bit of money and had them grind it up and test it. And they, they gave me the whole report, which says like, like I say, there's gold, silver, platinum, palladium. They said, whoever makes these must have access to quite a, a valuable um, set of ore or, 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 or vein of ore or something like that, or a supply or a source of ore, I think is how they, um, how they worded it. So I, perhaps that's why that's it, kept kind of secret <laughs> where these come <laughs> from. But what I started doing is um, I started meditating with these. And um, this is just a little psychological, I guess, technique that, that kind of works for me. I like these little lights that produce an infinite tunnel effect mm -hmm. because, you know, if it, you know, it's an illusion but still, when you look at it, it looks like you're looking into a portal, into another yeah. dimension. And, you know, the thing about the mind is um, your brain doesn't really differentiate between what is imagined and what is real as long as it looks real. And so I call this a portal plate. And I will take this and I'll put it on some kind of light setting that I like. And then I'll take one of these Buddha stones and I'll put it on top of this portal plate. And I will imagine some type of energy flowing from another dimension through this portal of light and charging this thing up. Wow. And I'll do that for about five minutes. And then I'll carry it with me. And I find that anything I want to manifest, if I'm out in the field or whatever, it happens so much faster. Because, you know, you don't really always want to carry around a wishing machine or a prayer board yeah. or a bad buster, but you can stick this in your pocket. And sometimes I'll take this and I'll put it on the, uh, on the wishing machine. I'll put it on the prayer board. And I think you can bring some of that energy with you, yeah, but put it in your purse, your pocket, wherever you can on your person. And, um, you know, you can, you can use different stones for similar purposes, but this is my favorite stone right now. And so I've also got that there. So you can see, I, I keep showing you all this to, uh, to not only you know, promote my products, but to also explain why that it's important for anybody watching right now who has an interest in manifestation to realize that there are lots and lots of different angles and tools and ways you can approach this. And, and it's very important for you to find the one that works for you, because once you find at least one of these things that works for you, then uh, it will improve your life dramatically. And you'll wish that you'd done it so much sooner.
Right. I love that. And I, I'm a big believer in stone, but I have, again, lots of stones, different stones for oh, determining to remove negative. The, but I don't know the Buddhist stone. That's amazing. So yeah. can you still, I, I mean, you bought every, did you buy everything in the world? Every <laughs> single good? one. I don't know of one single Buddhist stone that exists that I don't own. Uh, if anybody knows of a, of a supply, I'm all ears. Um, and I don't have many of them, but uh, I, at least I do know that to a certain extent, they can be, you know, they are man-made to a certain degree. So I guess more could be manufactured, but I also know that, you know, the way supply chains are and all that, it's just, you know, it's unpredictable. Um, That's wild. Yeah. And so, and I've already sold hundreds of those things because I was able to get you know, a nice little supply of them. And uh, you wouldn't believe the stories that people send me. You know, I, I like to go on to my podcast called Strange Things. And I was going to ask we, about that next because it keeps popping up here from my producer. So tell us about Strange Things. Yeah, well, you know, I, I like to read testimonials on that. And um, I've been involved in broadcasting for, well, well, I mean, in terms of like hosting over 20 years. And uh, I first started out as a host for what was then Clear Channel Radio. I was born and raised in Asheville, North Carolina. And so uh, I hosted a show there called Speaking of Strange for about 15 years. And that was the number one show in the whole market, which reached four different states. But I finally moved to Puerto Rico to study the Bermuda Triangle for five years. And so it became too complicated to do the show. So I gave it up at that point. But I started morphing more into just sort of independent podcasting. And all these years, I've had a very good relationship with Coast to Coast AM, which is the largest overnight radio program in the entire yes. country. Yes. And uh, I think right now it's on about 700 stations. And of course, Coast to Coast AM was started by uh, Art Bell, who was mm -hmm. originally from, well, he, well, he lived here in the Nevada area of uh, well, near Las Vegas and Pahrump. And uh, Art used to interview me back in the day. And then, of course, George Norrie took over. And George Norrie and I, we've done TV shows and live events and so much stuff together. And so um, yeah, a little over two years ago, I was contacted by uh, George's producer, Tom Danheiser. And he said, oh, you know, know, Tom. yeah, I'm sure. Um, he said, you know, we've decided to start this new paranormal podcast network, and I would love for you to be a part of it. And uh, I said, well, uh, what do you want me to talk about? He said, whatever you want to. And that pretty much was a big selling point for me because I'm a big fan of my independence. So um, we created this show called Strange Things. And uh, it's one hour. It's free every Friday. And uh, it's pre-recorded. And literally, it, it could be about any topic and and i don't just interview people as a matter of fact i rarely interview people um, that's a conscious decision for one thing um there are a lot of shows out there that are interview shows and i'm trying to do something a little different so mine yeah. is almost more of like a it's almost like a, a a magazine feature where i pick certain topics and dig into them every friday and so if you don't like my voice you're not going to like the show very much because that's what most of it is but you have a great voice you have a radio voice so who wouldn't well, like well thank voice? you thank you for saying <laughs> that and uh so far so good and um 
what I do is uh, I just sometimes I talk about things that are so bizarre that they don't neatly fit into any particular category or file. And, and people love that. And sometimes I come across stories that are so weird that I say, I don't know what what file folder this goes into. Um, but it's not all just spooky and paranormal stuff. A lot of it has to do with with manifestation with experiments that you can do at home. I love coming up with experiments that are simple enough that can be done uh, using household items at, any, at almost anybody's home. And I love saying, okay, here's the, here's the mission this week. Everybody's going to do this experiment. And then you go out there and you do the experiment. And then I get all this feedback. And I get all these results and I'm able to take all that information and turn it into some kind of a database that we can use as um, a resource to understand these mysteries. And so uh, if you go to strangethingsshow.com, um, you'll find all the different platforms where you can listen to the show. Um, or, you know, if you just go about anywhere and just do a search for Coast to Coast AM, all the different shows on the uh, Paranormal Podcast Network will pop up and you'll see strange things there. You guys definitely check it out. I'm going to, yeah. I remember when you got the show. That was awesome from coast to coast. It's a lot so, of work. I got to be honest with you. It's a, they're very particular about how everything has to be put together. You know, but I, when I was podcasting beforehand and I would just kind of, when I was doing my own independent podcast, I would just start recording and I would just ramble on for 30 minutes and then stop recording. And that was easy, but Right. They want it to sound like a radio show, and there are all these very stringent technical parameters on it. So it is a lot of work, but um, it's worth it when you have that final product and everybody's happy. That's awesome. Um, so do you have any new projects or uh, passions or anything right now that you can tell us about or not? I have a lot. Um, well, for one thing, um, I am in my my new house I, I bought this new house in las vegas less than a year ago so it's been it's been a, a hard year i own way too much stuff <laughs> moving for me is is okay. is difficult i not only do i have all the stuff here on my property but i have let's see one two at least three storage units strewn across the united states that are just wow. jam-packed from wall to wall ceiling to the to the floor um, so yeah, I've got way too much stuff, but, uh, here, one of the reasons I bought this new place is that I've got a, enough space so that right here on site at my own home, I have my studio, I've got a workshop, I've got a laboratory. And so there's a whole new section of my house that I'm turning into a, a new laboratory. I'm going to have my regular laboratory, but this is going to be a whole brand new kind of laboratory. And I will be announcing that probably within a couple of months. I'm not quite ready for that. But the other thing that I am really psyched about and also a little bit worried about, frankly, is, um, you know, I mentioned that I own some land up near Area 51. And so for people who are not familiar with this area, um, you know, again, I live in Las Vegas. So if you drive about two and a half hours north of here, uh, you will end up at the town of Rachel, which is the closest town to Area 51. And Rachel is, I mean, there's not much there. There's theres a, a little cafe and motel called the Little Alien, but other than that, there's <laughs> not much. 
I think the there's maybe like 50 people live there. <laughs> wow. Um, but but I bought um several acres of land there, and um it's it's about as close as you're gonna get to to the base. And I realized that you know, Area 51, this is not Disneyland, this is a real military base, and you don't want to go there and get nosy and and get close to the boundaries and you know, you don't want to mess with their research. I, you have to be very respectful and take it seriously. But there's nothing wrong with being where I am and uh, and observing what happens because that area is paranormally active, not just because people see UFOs flying around, but also because um, there's just a lot of paranormal stuff that's happened there going back thousands of years. There are petroglyphs all over the place of what's called Paranagat Man, which looks like some kind of an alien only found in that area they're extremely haunted old ghost towns and uh, as a matter of fact that county lincoln county was one of the most violent places in the old west because all of these miners would come in there fighting over staking claims and uh, they were just ruthless absolutely ruthless and uh, i think in in one town the county seat there which is pioche i think they said uh, in one year over 70 men died in gunfights before one person died of natural causes. Um, And so you have just layers and layers of, of ghostly history there as well. But all that said, I have decided that I'm going to take this piece of land that I own there and there's nothing on it. It's barren. It's just for research purposes, but I can do whatever I want with it. I've decided that I'm going to create what I call, well, I don't have the name finalized yet, but it's going to be a a portal opening machine that I'm going to place out there and and let it run. And after all my years of research, I'm going to take everything that I personally have learned about physics and metaphysics and radionics and psychotronics and psionics and magic and all these things and try to combine them together to create what I have imagined would be a machine that could possibly open some kind of an interdimensional portal out there in this desert. And I'm not going to tell anybody where it is, of course, uh, at least not at first. Uh, For a while, I'm going to privately document this. And so I'm currently in the process of building this machine. Uh, it's going to take a while, though, because uh, some of the, the parts are, are not easy to come by <laughs> when you're building a portal opening machine. Um, but I'm hoping within a couple of years, um, it'll be ready to put out there. I'm, who knows? Wow. It might be a little faster than that. But my goal is within a couple of years, and I'm going to put it out there and document what happens. And I believe that, you know, when you have a place, which is already what some would call a thin place. Yeah. Uh, that gives you an advantage. So there it's, it's already a place where more interdimensional interactions are happening naturally. So all I need to do is give it a little extra boost. And, and I think that, um, that's what this machine may be able to do and of course what happens next that's sort of the spooky part 
So yeah. I'm going to do this kind of gradually, though, so that if I don't like what's happening, I can shut it off very quickly. So hopefully. I'll wow, that's fascinating. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's a good passion project. And by Area 51. Is that near the area? I remember last time we spoke, I think you said something about you found the actual place where like time space slippage or something like that. Yeah. Uh, in fact, I was on my way to Area 51 when I discovered this spot, which is just remarkable. This was back in 2018. I have a friend who lives in Silicon Valley. He's actually a, a retired engineer there. His name is Ronald Heath. And um, he was a big fan of the X-Files TV show. And there's an episode of the X-Files where Mulder is going out to investigate a spot where a UFO was seen. And he takes two stopwatches and synchronizes them. And he keeps one in his car and he takes the other one with him out there to the woods where the UFO was seen. And later when he compares them, they're out of sync. It's, uh, it's implied that when he took the clock out, the watch out there into the woods, that there may have been some kind of a, a scarring of space time that had occurred when this craft landed and that that sort of uh, made time flow differently there. And Ronald, he thought, wouldn't it be interesting if I could create a paranormal investigation tool that would reproduce this type of measurement? And so he created what he called the differential time rate meter or DT meter. And it's basically a, a box with a circuit that's hooked to a sensor at the end of a 100 foot wire. And it's always comparing these signals that run back and forth between the two. And there, there should always be a consistent amount of time it takes for the signal to travel back and forth, especially when you include uh, noise and background noise and margin of error and all these things, which he accounts for. And he said, um, you know, basically that the, this number on this display should always read this. And if it doesn't, something weird's going on. That means that time is somehow warped, which should never happen unless you get near a black hole or something. <laughs> And so um, he said that I could be the first person to try this out. So I, uh, I took this DT meter and uh, learned how to use it, put it in my car. And then I thought, well, I may as well make a trip to Area 51. That seems like a good place to possibly record some kind of a time warp. So my wife and I got into our SUV. We began our journey. And the idea was that I was going to stop about every 20 minutes and get out and take a control reading along the way. Well, I didn't make it very far uh, until I was, I was uh, pretty amazed. I was maybe 20 minutes north of Las Vegas when we stopped at this kind of uh, nondescript little area on the side of the road in the desert. And I got out there and uncoiled the wire, took the measurement, and to my shock, I was able to measure time slowing down at this one spot by less than a fraction of a, of a second, but still that's a big deal. It should not happen at all. The rest of the time it was all normal. Area 51 was all normal. The whole rest of the trip was all normal, but this one spot was where this happened. And so I wrote a report about that. The local media picked it up and then the real shocker happened. That's when all these people started contacting me saying, well, you do know that that is one of the biggest UFO hotspots in the area, right? I'm like, no. Turns out all of these people have filmed UFOs flying around that little nondescript spot on the side of the wow. road. 
there's this guy named Sean Kevin Jason who in 1996 was driving right by there and had one of these huge craft descend over his car. He stopped his car. He said he could he could have spit on the thing. It was so close overhead. He actually went out there with me to on camera to confirm that that was the spot where this had happened to him. Uh, people contact me all the time saying that they had a missing time experience as they were driving by that spot and they knew nothing about my research. They got online and just started looking up missing time in Las Vegas and it led them to me. And then they were shocked when they heard me tell them like, oh yeah, you're just the latest person who's experienced this. So there's this whole phenomenon around what has now become known as the Vegas time warp which is just, you know, slight, slightly north. It's, you know, uh, maybe like say 20 minutes north of, of uh, Las Vegas. And um, my friend Jason Sirachi, who is um, one of the best UFO videographers in the country, his work has been on History Channel and Travel Channel, et cetera. Uh, Jason Sirachi, he goes out there to this time warp location all the time. And I think at least half a dozen times he has gotten footage out there using wow. night vision of some kind of a ball of light that will often appear right around that edge of the desert and just bounce around similar to like one of the Marfa lights or something like that. So there's something about this spot that um, is one of those sort of interdimensional slippery portal type areas where it seems that paranormal stuff can more easily access our realm and you you find that this whole place that we call the nevada triangle which runs from las vegas up to reno nevada and then over to fresno california it's sort of like one of those big bermuda triangle type areas except it's more active even than the bermuda triangle and you have all of this kind of interdimensional activity that's happening and that's why it's a great place for a guy like me to to conduct research and to try to tap into it and enhance it. And uh, we'll see how my experiments go. Oh, I just love this so much. Um, I'm going to have to have you back much sooner this next time because I'm like looking at the clock. I know. So, so I, I, we don't have much time, but so do you think we know that aliens, whatever, have to be out there? Do you think we're going to know about it publicly? I know what a year or two ago it all went public, but that didn't seem to change things into the general public well you know what's funny is i feel like that there is already enough information there to accept the fact that we are not alone um they they have basically told us in, in on many occasions that we have this technology here and it, it's not man-made <laughs> so what does that mean you know without coming right out and saying these are little green men or whatever. Uh, when they say we have this technology here and it's not ours, uh, that's probably about as good as you're going to get uh, unless the aliens, for lack of a better word, want to make themselves known. I don't know why they would want to do that, frankly. Um, you know, I've, I've, I tell people all the time, you know, every time I take a walk, down a trail through the woods i'm not trying to prove to every rabbit and squirrel that people exist so i don't know why the aliens would care whether or not we know they exist 
Um, and if there is a, a crash or something like that, well, you know, the government's going to, uh, to be first on the know. scene and collect it. And I don't think they're ever going to tell us anything they don't have to. The only reason that we have as much information as we've got right now is because that um, the Internet makes it impossible for all secrets to be kept forever. Right. Um, so who knows what may get leaked. But um, I feel like that uh, the language they've used has already been pretty clear, especially when you read some of the letters that um, people like uh, the late Harry Reid wrote uh, about some of the uh, technologies and that they were possibly a threat to our government if we didn't understand how to use these technologies and that they did not come from uh, other countries, et cetera, et cetera. So if they say we have this technology that's exotic, that deals with propulsion, we have this video footage of things that we say they're not ours, but they're intelligently controlled. I mean, you're saying everything you can possibly say other than who the pilot is. And it may be that they just really still don't know that. Right. Right. Or they're afraid of panic, but yeah, I never thought about that before. Yeah. Why would somebody land? If, if they've seen any of our movies, they know we're just going to go attack them. So it's like, ah. And sometimes there have been cases where people get out there and they, they see UFO and they start shooting at it with their shotguns. That has happened on numerous occasions. Yeah, that's terrible. Anyway, before we go, I'm sure my uh, listeners and watchers are as intrigued with you and what you do as I am. So please tell everybody where they can find you. I know you're on all like 70,000 places for the strange things, but what about you, your shop, your website, social media? Where can we find Joshua P. Warren? You know, probably the number one best thing to do to keep up with all of my crazy projects, my phantasmagoria of experiments, is to go to joshuapwarren.com, and right there on the homepage, you can put your email address in to subscribe to my free e-newsletter. Just a little box there. You put your email address in there, hit submit. When you do that, you are instantly going to receive an automated email from me with links to some free online gifts. I'm going to send you some free instructions to create some aura glasses or aura visors that I created that will help you to be able to see the aura and possibly other spiritual phenomena with your naked eyes. You're going to get um, a, a money magic secret. Um, there, there's a whole list of cool things that you're going to get access to just for signing up to that free e-newsletter. And I write every single one with my own fingers, typos and all. So uh, you don't have to worry about spam or anything. I pay for this service so you don't get any spam. And that way I can keep you updated on everything that I'm doing. And uh, But of course, while you're there at joshuapwarren.com, other than that, uh, please check out the Curiosity Shop. And I tell you what, um, if you go there, this is for your viewers. There's a discount code right here that works for many of the things that's D10BBB. You'll see a spot where you can punch that in if you decide to buy something. Uh, it doesn't work for everything, but it works for most of the stuff there. Again, uh, that's D10BBB when you check out, and you can save a little money. And uh, if you're not 100% happy, like I say, send it back, give your money back. But that rarely happens. Yeah, no, get some magic. I, again, I have two of the three things we talked about, and now I want the other one. Um, so you guys <laughs> yeah. check it out. I, I'm sure everybody, like I said, is amazed. There's nobody in the world or many worlds probably like you, Joshua <laughs> P. Warren. So thank you. Thank you for, for blessing us with your magic. Ah, you're check wonderful. Thank you so much, Patty. Thanks.
That's the witching hour.